Hi guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Two Talking Teachers LCPE. I'm Mary Gagan, and we have Amory Logue here as well. Uh, so, Amory, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Grant, now not a bother. Nice short week, so happy out. Um, what is today's topic? Okay, so today we're going to be going through topic 2B, well, the first part of it anyway, and that is the principles of training. So in this week's content, we're going to be looking at the eight principles of training, and we're also going to be looking at the FIT formula. Perfect. Right. Well, we'll head straight into it then. Okay, so what are the principles of training and why do we need them? So I'm going to go through each of them in detail here now. There are eight in total. And I'm going to number them so it's easier for you to follow and you'll be very aware of when I've moved on to the next principle. Okay, so number one, specificity. This means that training should be relevant and appropriate to the sport in which the athlete is competing. And this is to produce the desired effect. Training should progress from general conditioning to specific training to suit the skills of the sport. So for example, a Gaelic footballer would be using a deadlift to develop the large muscle groups in the legs, mainly the hamstrings and the quads. And these would be needed for kicking, sprinting, jumping and explosive leg movements. Number two, progressive overload. If an athlete trains slightly harder each session, by overloading their bodies a little more each time, then their bodies will adapt to the new demands and they will improve their fitness. Now, there is a fear here because you do not want to overload your body too much in too short a space of time as this can lead to injury. So it's really important you try to get that balance right and you listen to your body. Now, for example, an athlete who wants to improve their muscular endurance will incrementally increase the repetitions or reps of a weighted lift each week so that by the end of a six-week training block there is a noticeable improvement in the number of times they can lift that weight before their muscles fatigue. Number three, reversibility. So just as the body can adapt to improve fitness, it can also de-adapt and disimprove fitness if the training stops. So I think we can all relate to this. At some stage in our lives, we've been going to the gym or going for walks or runs, and we find ourselves getting fitter, faster, or stronger. However, if we stop going to the gym regularly or we stop with our runs and our training program, we do notice that our, our fitness levels do plummet and we don't have as much energy or strength. And that is why this principle is referred to the use it or lose it principle. So unless you are regularly using these muscles, you will notice they'll start to deteriorate. So in actual fact, we know that the fitness levels can reverse if training stops, but it can also reverse if your training is reduced significantly. And when I talk about reducing training, we might talk about off season or if uh, a player or uh, an athlete is injured. So for example, if a, an athlete has hurt their knee and they're not allowed to do any impact training, so running or twisting or turning, then they might be training on a stationary bike. So that is an example of reducing the training significantly. It is estimated that 10% of strength is lost over an eight-week period after training stops. So once you stop altogether, after eight weeks, you lose 10% of the strength that you've built up over that training season. 
However, in the same period of time, that eight weeks, we lose 40% of muscular endurance, which is a huge amount in comparison. Now, there is one benefit for those um, elite athletes. The more highly trained an individual is, the longer it will take for the reversibility to affect them. So the longer it will take, they would have to stop training for a longer period of time for them to notice these reversibility effects on their body. Number four, tedium. I quite like this one because the word tedious or tedium means boredom. And that's exactly what we want to avoid with this one. So training must be structured to provide sufficient variety for the athlete to avoid boredom or tedium. So for example, a swimmer needs to improve their cardiorespiratory endurance. Now they can do this by training on a track or on a bike, and this will definitely increase their cardiorespiratory endurance. However, if they want to apply the principle of specificity, it is important that their training takes place in the pool because the improvement on the track or on the bike will not be specific to swimming and the gains will not be readily able to translate to their ability in the pool. Number five, rest, recovery and overtraining. Rest days are a crucial part of any training plan as this allows the body to recover and for gains to be made. When we are at risk of overtraining, this occurs when the body does not have sufficient time through rest to adapt to the training demands, and as a result, their fitness actually declines. When you are overtraining, you are at a greater risk of illness or injury. They say that you should do three tra- days of training to one day of rest, and this is generally considered appropriate. As well as this, diet and sleep patterns are also crucial to success. And we studied um, diet and nutrition in topic 2D. Number six, adaptation. So this is the process of getting the body accustomed to a particular exercise or training program through repetition. So it's initially sore after the first session, or but after a couple of weeks or months of the same exercises at the same intensity, there will be a little bit less muscle soreness. So I think we can all relate to a time where we started going to the gym or we did a workout for the first time. And the day after, you just feel that pain all over your body where you can barely sit down without it being sore. And that is just a complete adaptation your body was not used to doing that workout but after a few times of going to the gym or doing that workout you're no longer as sore afterwards so this means that the body adapts and the program becomes easier to perform so it's less effective in making its gains so we also might relate to when we're doing a weights program and we might find that we're going up weights quite quickly at the start. But then after a few months of being um, at the gym and doing this uh, repetition or this specific exercise, you'll notice that you're no longer climbing up through the, the weights as quickly. So it's harder to make those gains as you go up a weights um, through the weights. Now, these training exercises and programs need to be constantly varied and adapted to maximize the athlete's progress. Number seven, individual needs. So all athletes, just like people, are different. Um, Whether it's their age, their gender, their fitness levels, personality, or even their past injuries. So when it comes to developing a training program, it needs to be relevant to the individual. And how you do that is you do the fitness test batteries on your entire group of of players that you have in front of you. And you'll realize quite quickly that 
each individual training program will be different because one size does not fit all. When it comes to developing that training program, it needs to be relevant and they need to have specific goals set out that they want to achieve. And it's best that you do this with the athlete. As a coach, you sit down with your athlete and you decide which ones that you want to focus on. Because if they are unmotivated, then the overall training program will be unsuccessful and it'll just be a waste of your time. So for example here, we have a 10,000 meter runner, a 25 year old female would have completely different needs to a 38 year old male. So when we think of that, we're looking at the age difference there, there's 13 years of an age difference. And also we have two different genders there and straight away that requires a totally different training program when we talk about their gender and their age difference. Number eight, diminishing returns. So this is when an individual with low initial fitness levels will show greater relative gains at a faster rate than individuals with a higher fitness level. So I'm going to use an example to help explain this because I know that's quite difficult to understand. So a new athlete to strength training will make great strides in their strength in the first few months. So they will see great results in a short space of time. Whereas an athlete who has years of training will not experience the same games within the same time frame. So they will have to work harder and for a longer period of time to improve their strength levels in comparison. So this can be very demotivating for the person who has a lot of experience and has been training for a long time because they won't see those same gains um, and improvements. So they really have to stick at it and consistency is key there. With regards to the initial gains for the, the new beginner, they will see a sharp spike in their strength, but then after a while, it'll start to taper off and plateau as the training progresses, as their body adapts to that training program, okay? So what would that look like in a visual? It would be a sharp spike, and then it will start to flatten out into almost a horizontal line. So that's what they mean when they say plateau. So it starts to ease off, um, with regards training, it must increase the closer a fitness component gets to its physiological limit. So to conclude, do you think you can name and explain the eight principles of training? If yes, brilliant. If no, I suggest you go back and listen to them again. It won't take you long, but you do need to know them off the top of your head. Now, in the PE textbook, they've actually given us a really nice, easy acronym to help you remember the eight principles of training, and that is Sport RAID, with S standing for specificity, P and O standing for progressive overload, R for reversibility, and T for tedium, sport. So RAID is R for rest and recovery, a for adaptation, I for individual needs, and D for diminishing returns. A really handy acronym to help you remember the eight principles of training. So this leads us on nicely to the next section of topic 2B that we're going to be covering today, and that is the FIT formula. So what is it? Why do we use it? And what does it stand for? Okay, so it stands for frequency, intensity, time, and type. And the FIT formula is generally a guideline that can be used or applied when developing training programs. And the whole aim of this is to help the athlete improve their performance, whether it's in training or whether they're competing. Now, each of the FIT's four categories should be considered when altering any activity or program or training session. 
So let's go into them in a little bit more detail. So frequency, what does it mean? Now, the word frequency can be, um, I suppose, cross-curricular. In terms of maths, it means how often something occurs. In terms of PE, it's how often an athlete trains. Okay, so how often they are taking part in training and frequency can be increased by training a greater number of times a week or for a greater amount. Intensity. This is how difficult an activity is. So we normally rate um, intensity using percentages. We could also use the Borg scale where we look at the, the faces, the emojis to describe how intense a session is. We'd normally use the Borg scale or the emojis with younger groups. And then with older groups, we normally use percentages because they can relate to that a little bit more. So intensity can be altered, for example, by increasing the weight an athlete is lifting each session. So that would make it a more of a strain on them or by training at a higher percentage of the maximum heart rate. And you should know that your maximum heart rate is calculated by 220 minus your age. Okay. Time. So this is the length of a training session and the number of reps completed in a set or the number of sets completed in a session in total. So how long or how the duration, I suppose, of the actual session. And then type. This is the kind of activity or exercise that you are completing. And this can be achieved by using different types of activities in a session. So you could use circuit training or a multi-sprint session. Or you could have a mix of cardiorespiratory endurance for a group of soccer players or you could have um, a combination of different types of activities, combining ball work with a fitness circuit, fitness circuit, for example. So it is really important to include a variety of types. Uh, as we mentioned before, we don't want tedium to set in. And remember, tedium is boredom. But it's also important to remember that one type of activity chosen needs to be relevant. So we're talking about having that specific to the sport. So it is relevant for them when they actually go to perform in or compete in that particular particular sport. And remember that if an athlete has a training goal, that when you are training, you want that type of training to help you achieve that target or that goal. So when it comes to applying the fit formula, there is a few examples of how you might apply the components of fitness um, using the fit formula. Now, in the PE textbook, there are a lot of like tables and images that are really helpful in displaying information quickly and very methodically. So I do understand that this is a lot of talk and a lot of listening, and it can be quite difficult to follow along with me. But I'm just going to go through quite quickly the components of fitness with the fit formula applied. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to name the component of fitness and tell you what it is, whether it's health related or performance related fitness. And then I'm going to go through fit in terms of frequency, intensity, time and type. And I'm going to go along that way. Okay, so cardiorespiratory endurance, which is one of our health related fitness components. So frequency three to five times per week is how often you should be doing it. Intensity is 60 to 90% of your maximum heart rate and time long periods of continuous work type running, cycling, or games. Muscular strength, another health related component of fitness. So this is up to three sessions per week. And remember you want to alternate the muscle groups. The intensity is 80 to 100% of your one rep max, which you can calculate in um, another chapter. 
So you do three to four sets of roughly one to five reps. So it's low reps because you are lifting a high percentage there. Time, this is dependent on the number of exercises and you might have long rest periods between sets, especially when you are doing 80 to 100% of your one rep max. And this is a type of resistance training. Muscular endurance, again, another health-related component of fitness. You should be engaging in this three to four times a week and, again, alternating muscle groups. The intensity is 50% of your one rep max because we're looking at endurance, which is to be able to keep going for a longer period of time. So it's a lower percentage, but it would be more um, higher reps. So it's one to three sets of reps between 12 and 20. So this is high reps because you want to be able to keep going. And the time of this is dependent on the number of exercise. You would have short rest periods between these sets because you're not lifting as heavy. And then this is a type of body weight exercise or um, resistance training. Now, flexibility, another health-related component of fitness, and this should be done daily, and it can be conducted in warm-ups and cool-downs. So the intensity of this is dependent on the context. Do you want a dynamic during warm-up because you're trying to raise the heart rate, or do you want to do static stretching during a cool-down where you're trying to naturally or gradually lower that heart rate? And again, the time here should be 10 to 20 minutes, and for both warm up and cool down and the type this is dynamic stretching or ballistic stretching and our last health related component of fitness is body composition and again this should be done daily and this is a combination of exercise and nutrition tracking which we have will be covering in topic 2c the intensity of this most uh, benefit from most types of training from low to high intensity so when we say that this should be done daily you could be going for a walk and then that could be your rest day. And then another day you could be actually training. The time this benefits from short explosive training and long slow training. So that's the time there. And the type is aerobic activity or resistance training or anaerobic training. Okay guys, so this brings us to the quick fire round for topic 2B. So I'm gonna read out a couple of questions and I'm gonna give you a pause after each question and it'll give you a chance to think about the question and you can either answer it out loud if you're on your own or you can answer it in your head if you're out in public. Okay, so question one. Describe the progressive overload principle. Describe the progressive overload principle. Question two. Identify a strategy a coach can employ to help avoid tedium becoming an issue in training. So it's a little bit longer. Identify a strategy a coach can employ to help avoid tedium becoming an issue in training. Question three. Define the FIT formula, including a definition for each element of the acronym. So you need to have a definition for the F the I, the T, and then the second T. Define the FIT formula, including a definition for each element of the acronym. Question four, explain the term reversibility and give an example. 
explain the term reversibility and give an example. And question five, name or list the eight principles of training. Name or list the eight principles of training. Now remember guys, if there's any part of that that you feel that you're not um, fully able to answer those questions, you can always rewind and go back and listen again. So don't be worrying if you can't answer those questions, you can always rewind, go back and listen to them again and then come up to the questions and answer them fully. Right guys, so we'll move on then to our current fair. So today we're going to look at how COVID has affected the principles of training, kind of looking there at progressive overload, reversibility and tedium. Um, and we're going to just kind of have a chat around those and see have we got any examples ourselves, I suppose, of um, have they happened to us really. Amory, have you found, um, you know, any of these being affected through COVID over the last, I suppose we're, we're gone over the year point now at this stage? Yes, yeah, so I suppose um, tedium would be the one that I would definitely say has really had an impact on me. Um, yeah, you're talking. we're talking over a year now at this stage um, and it's a year of doing training where you're being on your own all the time. And we know that tedium is the, is the effect of like boredom or um, there's no variety in your training. So I've been doing the same. Now, obviously, they do change up our training sessions, but the same training sessions, you know, days and times and how long they take. So you're just falling into that routine. Now, it is great to have a routine, but at the same time, you do get a bit bored of the same thing over and over again. Um, and it's just the motivation, I suppose. It's it's hard to get the motivation to do it um, when it's the same thing over and over. Yeah, and I suppose, you know, in the, in the last week or so, you started getting back training with your team. So do you, have you noticed um, an improvement there in that area then of tedium? Oh, 100%. It is just so nice to actually be able to do ball work again because... I have no one to do ball work with, so I kick a ball and I'm off running after it like a dog myself in the park. Um, so it's just, it's lovely to, you're back doing those different drills all the time and even just having the variety of numbers and seeing different people and even marking someone different all the time because if I was going out and trying to do a bit of tackling, it was the same person and sure, you're nearly acting in what you're trying to do and um, it's just not the same, you know, it's really not. Um, so Mary, is there any of those principles of training that you found has affected you? Yeah, well, like that, I know we've said it before um, about how I've been injured since last the end of last July. So it's coming up in 10 months now, I suppose. Um, I've started getting back out training. The injury is improving. However, the fitness is horrendous um, so I'm really struggling with that um, we know that if we you know if we don't train for a, a few weeks um, the fitness levels do begin to reverse I suppose um, and I am really struggling with that at the minute so I'm hoping um, it doesn't take too long to, to get back on track with it um, so hopefully it, it, it will yeah, well, isn't that why they call it the use it or lose it um, principle? Because if you're not actually training, you're not going to be able to to keep up that, um, I suppose it's cardiovascular or cardiorespiratory endurance that you're looking at um, because you're comparing it with a run all the time. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my, my main area, strength and conditioning. And that wouldn't be, wouldn't be too strong on me either. But um, yeah, no, the cardiorespiratory endurance definitely has taken a real big hit. 
And then I suppose the last one we said we we're going to look at was the progressive overload. And as we mentioned, um, teams are starting to get back into playing games and matches now and even just contact training. So what we would be um, looking at here is that teams just don't overdo it in their training because obviously then they'll lead to injury, which is the worst time that you could have an injury when you're just about to go going back into games. Yeah, like that, you know, you'll see everyone now will be going hell for leather. They'll be getting the boots on, getting out, whatever it might be, and they'll be trying their best to get as fit as they can or match fit or competition fit. Um, you know, like Amory was saying there with the TDM, doing her own running and her own bit of ball work, there is such a difference between that and actually being in a game situation, you know, being having to, you know, turn and sprint really quickly to go for a ball or whatever it might be. So it's a real big concern now. And I know last year when people got to play for that little short bit of time um, later on in the year when competition was allowed back, there was a lot of people pulling up with injuries. Um, so I suppose that's something that we do have to uh, kind of look at and, and I suppose make sure that we're not pushing ourselves too quick um, or else we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I actually think um, in the GAA, they looked at uh, the stats on hamstring injuries, and especially in males, we know that hamstring injuries are really um, prominent. But they said that the stats on the percentage of people that were actually uh, injured with a hamstring, even with how short the season was, was very similar to a full year-long season. So even though we were only playing a few short matches, they were still the same stat or percentage for the hamstring injury, which just goes to show that they were obviously going back in. Now, some teams mightn't have a proper strength and conditioning coach and then we'd be looking at clubs and, and whatnot there. But um, it's just minding your body and listening to your body there. Yeah, so I suppose that's the three principles covered there now in relation to COVID. Um, obviously, we could apply other ones there. We've just picked those three in particular. Um, and I suppose we'll just leave it at that for today. Okay, bye. Thank you.